well diversified and um, allowing time to be your friend when it comes to um, retirement monies. Francis, thanks for coming on the show this morning. Always good to talk to you. That's Francis Chung, the chairman of MPF Ratings. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the markets this morning, Asian stocks are on the downside. The SX200 in Australia off 0.9%. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is down about a third of a percent. Uh, the Hang Seng all set to open about two-thirds of 1% lower. In the commodities markets, gold is at $1,930 an ounce. Brent crude oil uh, slipping a little bit here this morning, trading at $45.18 a barrel. And the US dollar following the rebound overnight is at 106.1 against the Japanese yen. Thanks very much for listening this morning. Stay tuned for Back Chat. Hugh Chiverton and Anna Fenton coming up. The weather forecast, sunny intervals in a few showers. Going to be hot, maximum temperature of about 32 degrees. And the outlook is it's going to be very hot with sunny periods in the next couple of days. Right now out at the observatory, it's 28 degrees and it's 87% relative humidity. 8.31, Samantha Butler has the half-hour news. The United States has stepped up its move to end Hong Kong's special treatment, announcing overnight that it's suspending or tearing up three bilateral agreements in response to Beijing's imposition of national security legislation here. Here's Steve Dunthorne. The U.S. State Department said it was ending cooperation on the surrender of fugitives to Hong Kong. It follows countries including Australia and Germany in pulling out of extradition deals. Washington is also withdrawing from an agreement on the transfer of convicted prisoners. Less anticipated was Washington's decision to end an agreement on reciprocal tax exemptions on income derived from the international operation of ships. A helicopter pilot has died after his aircraft crashed while fighting one of hundreds of wildfires raging in California. The U.S. state was hit by nearly 11,000 lightning strikes in 72 hours, sparking over 360 fires. Thousands of people have been forced to flee their homes near San Francisco. Most at risk is the city of Vacaville, home to 100,000 people. This resident explained how she managed to get out. It took me a while to get out. So my husband was driving the car and it hit burnt. He got burnt and he had to leave the car and it blew up. So I was walking down by myself and I got all these flames on me and I lost my shoe. But I made it. God save me. The governor of California has declared a state of emergency. Apple has become the first fully private firm to reach a stock market value of two trillion US dollars. Its share price has doubled since a low point in March when fears linked to the coronavirus pandemic rattled Wall Street. Here's the BBC Samira Hussein. Although investors largely expected Apple to be the first US firm to reach this milestone, it was achieved in the midst of a global health emergency. Most of the company's high-end devices are made in China, where the outbreak first occurred, but Apple's business has proven to be surprisingly resilient. Many companies are being battered by the pandemic, but Apple's share price has jumped nearly 60% since the beginning of the year. Although many retail shops have been closed, online sales have skyrocketed. Australian flag carrier Qantas says revenues collapsed 82% in the past year due to the pandemic. The company has posted a 1.9 billion US dollar loss. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today, Anna Fenton. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. Two topics today, supermarkets 
and Joe Biden. Officials on Tuesday said Welcome and Park and Shop, which each received some $100 million in the first round of the employment support scheme, must provide cash vouchers or discounts to NGOs or low-income people if they want to get more money from the administration. But details of how this could be done are not yet known. Many have criticised the decision. So what do you think are the pros and cons of such a scheme? Let us know. And after nine o'clock, we're going to be discussing Joe Biden, now the official Democratic Party nominee to challenge Donald Trump. What are his strengths, his weaknesses and his chances? Uh, let us know your thoughts on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, of course, backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us on our telephone number is 233-88266, 233-88266, supermarkets and Joe Biden. For our first topic, we're joined now by Vera Yun, who's Assistant Lecturer in the Faculty of Business and Economics at Hong Kong University, and Carol Ng, who's the Chairperson of the Confederation of Trade Unions. Uh, maybe, Carol Ng, we'll start with you. Good morning. Thank you for, for joining us. Uh, what do you think of the... Uh, uh, well, what do you think of this, this situation that uh, has arisen uh, with these two uh, supermarkets that are well-funded uh, and seem to be doing quite well, getting the support, and then the government demanding that uh, they hand back these vouchers? What do you make of that? I think the, the major problem nowadays is not talking about these two major supermarkets' prices. It's not asking them to further reduce their prices or not. The massive amount of the workers now being put on involuntary the unpaid leave situation, and or, um, they're facing massive pay cuts. So the number of the people now having difficulties to maintain the cost of living, it's not just resolved by asking two supermarkets, just make your stuff a little bit cheaper, could relieve. So I think... But, but it helps, doesn't it? Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe, yeah, maybe it's not the whole answer, you know, but it's useful, isn't it? And it helps a little bit, but the majority of the people lacking of income, they may not only shop in these two markets, they, they might need to shop to somewhere else, even cheaper. Uh, so what do you suggest would be a better way to help the situ in the situation? As like HKC2 all the time suggests that it is time to um, furthermore inject more cash directly to the public, like the $10,000 at the end of July. It's once again it's an urgent need uh, from a lot of the people. So you think that giving it to, uh, you know, it seems we have two choices with these handouts, is either they go to the employer and you have to rely on them to distribute it to the employees, or you give it effectively to the employees and then they, everybody gets it, regardless of what the employer says. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, very similar, because you can see um, since the ESS started, uh, lots of the cases showing the so-called $9,000 per staff is not fully amount um, arriving to the workers' hands. And lots of the, the employers, after they've taken the ESS, um, they're still asking the staff further pay cuts or to unpay leave. Mm. So the, the, the problem is quite serious and, and, and it's deteriorating. The people lacking off money to pay rent, to buy food as well. So it's not very much related to two major supermarkets, to be honest. Well, can we just come back to the supermarket thing, since that is the subject? Um, I'm concerned to see that Dairy Farm also can, receives this, and uh, I want to know what you think about the fact that Dairy Farm is the parent company of 7-Eleven, which has become, due to the pubs being closed, the de facto supplier of alcohol to all and sundries. So what do you think about Dairy Farm being 
um, directly subsidised as the the major um, alcohol uh, supplier now in the evenings <laughs> in Hong Kong. Yeah, it seems like the, the some of the um, concerns to the alcohol consumption, isn't it? And I think at the moment it's not really many people they are very interested in could you get, make it cheaper on the alcohols, and um, they would rather see other items of the foods they could be further reduced uh, of their prices. And um, like dairy farm, this is one of the examples. They've been received quite a lot of the subsidies from the government itself. And if you're asking furthermore the public to, to carry on purchase from them, it just carry on benefiting them. But how about the other merchandise or the other company? And also don't forget, quite a, a large group of the public, they need to shop outside these big brands. And they might be shop in a, a real uh, wet market in everywhere in every local district. So how how to sponsor the public able to shop everywhere and let them to chase um, the suitable prices according to their budget? And this is what the government should think of. Isn't the point that these are large, actually all large employers? And we were talking about subsidising uh, people according to the number of employees they have. Uh, and uh, it seems to be working. Uh, the jobless rate, as we've seen, has just gone down a little bit. Uh, you know, not many places in the world where, that, where that's happening. Um, the, the scheme surely is, is a success and should be extended. I think, the, uh, again, it looks like the unemployment rates fall down a, a very little bit. Yeah. But don't forget it is a deferred figure. It's not showing the current figure. It, this the amount, this percentage is reflecting a few months ago. What was happened a few months ago about epidemic in Hong Kong? Then you look back and comparing with today's figure and the situation, I'm afraid it will go up again on the next time survey. And from the amount of inquiries received by HKC2 and some individual unions of their own survey is showing still massive amount of the people losing income, which is on unpaid leave or either redundancy. So I don't think this current unemployment rate is reflecting the correct figure. All right. Vera Yun, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us once again. Um, so what do you, what's your reading of this? First of all, the supermarket situation. I think when the government voices out that um, the supermarket should help the grassroots by lowering the prices, it already exerts pressure to the supermarket whether or not they take um, the offer this round um, because the government is a powerful um, political force. And in normal times, I would say the government should not interfere in how businesses are run. Um, if the government really wants to have to poor, I mean, it should, you know, use taxpayers' money and you know, give it directly to the poor or via the first sector or the NGOs. But um, because we're in the pandemic, it's an extraordinary um, situation. So um, the virus has not gone and has lasted for so long. Um, world governments have increased their debt to, on average, 19% of their GDP. So it's kind of a huge burden for the government to help with the poor because there's so many poor. Um, and also other... Um, parts of the population be affected and we do not know whether um, when it is ending um, so there may be some justification of business taking some of the burden of social protection you know in this circumstance um, so then I still think there may be more direct ways of handling this um, 
for example, the government can give up, you know, coupons to grassroots instead of, you know, doing it through the subsidies to the companies and then asking, you know, the supermarkets to offer the scans. Um, they're also monitoring issue of not knowing if the supermarkets will, you know, first mark up the prices and then give a discount and how the supermarkets um, are handling this. I think the reason why the government think um, it should be done via the supermarket is because, you know, commercials, they do things more efficiently than the government. And also, um, if it kind of fails in a way or, you know, that people who complain, the government can sort of move the blame to the supermarket if anything does not go well. So if doing it uh, through the supermarket, it can fulfill uh, dual goals that it can retain employment and also provide subsidies together. But if the government does it itself, it can only, you know, provide subsidy without um, fulfilling the goal of retaining employment. So I think um, it's like um, one subsidy for both purposes. So this is my view. But if you've lost your job already, you've lost your job, wouldn't it be better to give this money direct to the citizens? Because, uh, uh, you know, a vast number of the um, unseeable unemployed are the part-time workers in the F&B industry who don't show up on any statistics, who are paid hourly rate, and they're not eligible for anything. Wouldn't it be better just to give them money directly? Yes, I, I do think there are more direct ways of doing this, so the government can do it without going through the supermarket. But I think, you know, the different consideration of, you know, um, getting the business into these things, so um, they shoulder the burden together with the government and then the society can pressurize the business to offer more too. So the government does not want to take um, all the things together um, on all on the state shoulder, but also asking the business to share the burden because, you know, the, uh, I mean, Hong Kong is a little bit better because Hong Kong government has a huge amount of fiscal reserves still, but um, world governments, they have been increasing their debt to the GDP ratio already. So maybe it's reasonable for the government to ask, um, you know, the business to help. But I'm not sure. But there are many inconsistencies in the argument. So I, I'm not um, totally backing this. Um, for example, there are also other supermarket chain stores that receive subsidies. So um, they should be asked to provide this discount, to be fair. And then there are other sectors, especially the landlords, you know, the property owners. Why aren't they uh, asked to reduce rent? But the supermarkets. Um, rent. If you know the government is infringing in other business is okay, then why don't you also ask the landlord to you but know give back to the society? Vera, Vera, the, the, we're talking about the same companies, aren't we? The, the the big developers are also the big supermarket owners here. Well, Let's but there are only two. That. Um, there are more big developers and conglomerates, you know, other than the supermarket. There are also uh, some businesses that do not want supermarkets, but they um, still are earning a lot of rent. You know, during this time, they refuse to reduce the rent and putting the F&B industry into, you know, death because, um, you know, they, the F&B, they cannot do much of their business. Their business dropped by like 80%, but, you know, they still have to pay the rent so, until, you know, the contract ends. So wouldn't it be better to get the government to lean on the landlords directly? Yeah, I think if the government asks the supermarket to do it, why doesn't it, you know, as well pressurise the tycoons 
um, you know, the real estate developers and the conglomerate to, you know, delay their money and, you know, subsidize it. I don't think the government should only, you know, pinpoint on the two supermarkets on, on this matter. And also supermarket, um, you know, it, it is, okay, the claim is the supermarket is the only sector that sees growth um, um, from the past year. And all the other sectors they experience um, for themselves. But um, it does not make a lot of sense because the supermarket does not make a lot of money when economic cycle goes up. So it's kind of a more stable business. It is making more money now because it's, it's kind of kind of cyclical. And for other industries like luxury products, tourism, they capture a lot of profit during the good times. And for supermarkets, they run on very thin profit margin, have very huge operating costs. So, um, you know, you have tax, you know, all the other industries that, you know, make a lot of profit during a good time. So why don't the government use the, you know, the profit tax they pay earlier to have the poor now instead of asking supermarkets to do so? I, I think it's like because of the nature of the supermarket business, um, the, the government is taking advantage of it. But, you know, supermarket itself is a cash cow business. It does not has a lot of growth, does not make a lot of money, and they're huge, you know, inventory and, you know, operating costs. I mean, the government's priority has been, and stated priority has been, to keep people in work, to, to keep employment. And as I say, the, the latest uh, unemployment rate, uh, easing to 6.1%, suggests that that's actually working, that the government uh, is successful uh, in doing that. Uh, do you agree? Uh, partly. It's a three-month um, average, actually. It's a rolling average. It's not, it's, it's not um, only one month. And I think it stopped the unemployment rate from grow, uh, going up. But in the long run, if the virus does not go away and then more business, you know, they're getting into, you know, bankrupt and close down, um, I think there's still pressure of, you know, unemployment rate going up. So, um, and they want the numbers to make, uh, to appear nicely. It's better to have people to have a job because it, it psychologically affects, you know, whether they have confidence in the future. Like people who receive subsidies from the government directly without a job versus people with a job and taking salary. Even if um, the amount they receive uh, more or less the same, they will be happier if they have a job because they think, you know, they're useful, um, they can still find a job even in, you know, this time. So that's the reason why the government would like to keep people in jobs rather yeah. than, you know, just lay them off and, you know, give them some money. But isn't the government just caught in a bind here, really? Because... Uh, you know, it, it, it supports uh, employers and some of the employers, like the supermarkets, are doing well and some are doing badly and so on, but they have a blanket policy. So if you, if you have staff, you, you're, you're eligible. Uh, and if you start picking and choosing among those, uh, you change the nature of the, of the uh, support. You, sure, they, and they can and they do support uh, specific industries, as we talked about earlier this week, you know, and they focus on, on whatever it is. Um, uh, and they will give, they will aid specifically in in various directed, channeled ways those things. But when it comes to uh, employee support, supporting uh, uh, employment, uh, it has to be a broad, across the uh, bench approach, and that's what they're doing. And you will get these anomalies because some people are doing more well and some are doing less well. And they just that's just we've got to live with that. Very in. Yeah, um, I think. You know, for graphic 
government to subsidize anything. This is against,、um, you know, market principles. So there's always a problem of picking the winners, and the government does not have information of, you know, you know where to put the money can, you know, maximize employment and, you know,、um, has the greatest effect. So there's always loopholes in, you know, bureaucrats deciding the regulation. Especially they don't have much time to think through it. Usually when they plan、um, certain、um, policies, it takes. You know, a year, and now they only have a few months.、Um, and also, there are a lot of posts that people complain. But you know, the government can only do as, you know, as much as this. And we hope that this time they could close down some of the loopholes so that they are not subsidizing companies, they are not hiring anyone.、Um, yeah, but we hope that they, the government, can you know think of more effective ways of you know using、um, subsidies and taxpayers' money、um, instead of you know giving them to tycoons and then you know the tycoons pocket them、um, without benefiting the society. Where, where do you stand on a on a, like a, a broad ten thousand dollar kind of handout repeating that? Exercise. Well, I think it's actually more direct and it helps immediately. So I actually support that instead of some,、um, you know,、uh, instead of the government trying to、um, distribute the grants in certain ways that does not benefit all of the population, and then some of the, you know, benefits are wasted, you know, going into the business sector. We don't know where it goes.、Um, yeah, it's more direct, and people would find it a really thing to receive, you know. Mm, all right, a couple of comments from uh, listeners. Uh, CW says, "I agree with the comments. Give any stimulus direct to Hong Kong residents. The Hong Kong government has all the data from round one. Don't give any more handouts to these tycoons. Think about the refugee community in Hong Kong who wait many years to learn their fate. The government has done nothing to help this group during the pandemic."、Uh, and、uh, he also、uh, says, "These supermarkets clearly do not need、uh, handouts. A similar scheme in the UK, and some major supermarkets have not applied." For the job retention schemes, a link to、uh, a story there、uh, on that.、Uh, and Umesh says, "I don't get why supermarkets are even getting any money in the first place. They already made a killing before the pandemic, being the big two, on top of people having to stay home with restaurant closures. They make even more money now, so whatever they're supposedly giving back makes no difference." I agree with your caller on giving money to the people, including many who are non-permanent residents but have actually been living in Hong Kong、uh, all these years. That's from from uh, Umesh. Uh, Carol Ng,、uh, are you supporting then a ten thousand dollar style handout, a kind of universal? Yeah,、uh, that is a really immediate relief to lots of the people by just、um, asking the public to shop in either two major supermarkets. Of course, it's not a solution at all. And if they try to manipulating these two major supermarkets as a kind of relief, that it doesn't make any sense. The core matter is when there is a, a large number of the jobs which is not protected. But would you would you would you would you then exclude them? Would you say everyone every employer can have them、uh, except these except people who are making money or these particular supermarkets or what? How would you? No, the, the first round. What we suggest is that if they can, as soon as possible, to again reissue this ten thousand dollars to all、okay. the Hong Kong citizens. And again, on top of this, and it is necessary to start the unemployment benefit、um, as soon as possible. 
So this is two things they can do immediately. But how about to just if they focus on two major supermarkets, does it help a lot? I don't think so, because the people are not protected by the jobs anymore. They've been put on unpaid leave massively. So they're lacking of cash. So the immediate relief is first give them cash as soon as possible. That will help a lot. Another thing is when the government trying to say they have done quite a lot of things to protect over 1.9 million employers free from um, the uh, redundancy, which is not the real fact. Because when they are free from a kind of uh, fire you or not make you redundant, but they put you on unpaid leave, that same effect is you have no income. When people have no income, how could they have money to buy food? And if the governments need to have more extensive way to assist the public to deal with about the food situation, should not only focus on two major supermarkets, as you guys saying that, it, they are big enough, yeah? They got quite a lot of support from the government enough. How about the rest of the other supermarkets? How about the fresh market? Can you manipulating those people working in NGOs or charities, giving out more assist like coupons? And some, so more other things they can do, but they still not consider it. I don't understand why do they focus on two major supermarkets at all. Yes, it, there's a kind of um, irony here, isn't it? When supermarkets have outperformed every other sector of the market in the pandemic, why are we rewarding them? Yeah, yeah, correct. And if you look at the most urgent needs, what is it? It's like the other speakers say, it's the rent. Now, the, the, all the landlords well protected. They got really well protections from everywhere because people need to focus on how to pay rent, otherwise there's no place to live. And why not the government do more about to try to assist the people looking at the rent problem? Have, have rents gone down? I don't know. Has, has there been a study of this, Carolyn? Do you know? Are, are rents going down? I don't think so. If you're talking about the business rent or the private properties rent. Private property rents. Of course not. <laughs> Of course not. I, I, I don't think but of... But market forces would, suggest, would, would make them go down, wouldn't they? You'd expect that, Virion? You're an economist. I, I right, think in maybe in a long run, a few months' time, for those new signed rental agreement, maybe. But how about the current one? People already living in those properties. Yeah? They've been, they've been signed the agreement prior to today, so then the, the rent's been fixed. It's not easily you just ring your landlord, hello, I lose my job, I'm not going to pay the rent. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's the reality. People facing the living cost majority still having high rent need to pay. I mean, it's, it's also true of property prices. They haven't particularly uh, declined. Uh, Vera, and what's, what's going on there? Why haven't you think with a impoverished population or a population facing impoverishment, these things would go down, but they don't seem to be? I think the rent has gone down a little bit, mm-hmm. um, not by a lot, but uh, for some parts in Hong Kong, especially if they serve uh, mainlanders, you know, who study in universities in Hong Kong, you know, they have gone down by quite a bit. And then, you know, many of these apartments, because they cannot find um, the new um, tenants, so yeah. they're trying to sell, sell themselves. So it really depends on, you know, um, what kind of um, apartment you're talking about. Um, but for, you know, retails and offices, I think they they are going down. But, you know, also um, it's a bit sticky because it takes some time for, you know, contracts, you know, to renew and you can negotiate a new price during the time. 
Okay. Um, all right. Not much sympathy on our Facebook page. Howard says, "Why were the supermarket? I mean, sympathy for the uh, supermarkets. Uh, why would the supermarket change the eligible for this scheme? Did the pandemic force them to cut their prices? Did they have to cut their operating hours? Did they have to lay off staff? No, no, and no. With more people staying home and cooking their own meals these days, their sales are probably higher than they were back in January. They need to return that money to the government." Dan says a chain supermarket prices have risen at least 15 to 20 percent during COVID on many of the food items I buy. Why? I think we all need a rollback in prices, not just temporary vouchers or discounts. Uh, Leonard says to me it feels that the government is primarily concerned with curbing inflation, which seems to be picking up on supermarket shelves. In the first half, the government was using the electricity subsidy as a way to limit inflation. You can see that the composite uh, CPI stayed just below the two percent target only because the reduction in electricity compensated for the increase in food prices that's uh, from uh, Leonard uh, uh, Carol Ng, is that right about supermarket prices I think a lot of people have that impression that they've actually been oh, yeah. Yeah? yeah I think it's um, just like a lot of people experience when you go into these supermarkets they either mark up already and then asking the um, customers to buy the same stuff, two or three pieces together, and tie them up, and in order to uh, enjoy some kinds of discounts. This is the way they're doing business. So in average, that they didn't offer a quite a large amount of the discounts at all. They still may be expensive than any other fresh market. So I, I don't understand what's the logic of the government they're doing now and focus on these two major supermarkets. and seems like forcing them to reduce the prices is a kind of help. It, it doesn't help at all. Do you, do you agree with that, uh, Virian? Um, I, I do not have uh, the official statistics. But people say, you know, the prices have gone a little bit and it could, you know, be due to, of course, the increased um, um, demand. But also um, international freight costs has increased because, you know, the disruption in international logistics. So that might be the reason, too. Mm. Um, and I think the government is trying to, I mean, by saying this, I'm not sure whether um, it can really monitor whether the supermarket has given enough discount, but it kind of gives them, you know, political pressure so that the society knows that, you know, supermarkets do not raise your price so uh, much because we're watching you. I, I think it actually serves this purpose rather than really, you know, you know, trying to subsidize them or just, okay. you know, well, Virian, many thanks for joining us. Assistant Lecturer in the Faculty of Business and Economics at uh, Hong Kong U and Carol Ng, Chairperson of the Confederation of Trade Unions. We're talking about Joe Biden in the second part of the uh, programme. We want to hear from you. The weather, sunny intervals and a few showers. Hot temperatures up to 32 degrees, 29 degrees now. Humidity, 86. has declared a state of emergency. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. Bank Chat on a Thursday morning with Anna Fenton and me, Hugh Churton. We were talking about supermarkets, supermarket subsidies, employment subsidies in the first part of the programme. And uh, between now and 9.30, we're talking about uh, US politics uh, with Joe Biden. Uh, after that uh, virtual Democratic National Congress uh, being uh, uh, made the Democratic Party nominee for the uh, forthcoming elections to face Donald Trump. Well, assessing uh, his chances, what we might 
might expect, uh, also from a uh, Biden presidency. Uh, we're joined now by Nicholas Gordon, who's chair of Democrats Abroad in Hong Kong, and Bruce Wolper, senior fellow at the United States Studies Center at the University of Sydney, who also worked on the Democratic staff in the US Congress for 10 years and most recently worked on the staff of the Australian Prime Minister, former Prime Minister uh, Julia Gillard. Uh, Bruce Wolper, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Thanks for, for joining us Good today. Good morning. Thank you for did, having me and hello to Hong Kong. When, uh, did you have any sort of contact, direct or indirect, with uh, Joe Biden when you were in the uh, U.S.? I did. When I worked on the staff of the U.S. Congress, Joe Biden was the vice president, and I uh, saw him up close. And um, what uh, struck me uh, at the time, and it's enduring, is he just connects with your with your gut, you know, he, he, his appeal is to uh, you as a person, his desire to uh, that, that politics should work for working people in America and deliver uh, a livelihood that is uh, secure and successful. And so he, he just connects with middle America, and he's completely down to earth. He is not uh, anyone who is um, conceited or haughty or full of himself, and he uh, just really enjoys uh, making the political system responsive to uh, people from all walks of life. He's a, I believe he's a genuinely good man. I think he cares about the right things, and I think he wants what's good for the country and for the world. I mean, his, his great expertise as well as foreign policy. I mean, he knows every foreign leader. He has worked with them for over three decades, and that gives him... He doesn't need on-the-job training on how to run foreign policy in the United States. Okay. So I think both qualities are admirable and very attractive. That said, does he have what it takes? Well, we're about to see. <laughs> so, the, the question is, uh, if you ask um, people in the country, is Joe, Paul, uh, Joe Biden qualified to be president? The answer is yes. So he has what it takes to be president. He has been there. He doesn't need on-the-job training. The question is, do they want another four years of Donald Trump? This election is a referendum on Trump whether you like him or don't like him, support him or don't support him. Um, the issue is, should he be entrusted with another term? And that is what the election is going to be decided on. Hmm. So how do you see it playing out? The trouble with Joe is he's about as exciting as watching paint dry, isn't he? He's great orators, well, I, he is I think, not. I, I, think, uh, I think Trump has been extremely effective in lowering everyone's expectations about Joe Biden. I mean, if he comes out on the stage in anything other than a wheelchair, it'll be a fantastic success. So I don't understand that little tactic that's been employed. Um, in the debates, the Democratic debates, he held his own, even when he was attacked by Kamala Harris. Um, he's, he's, um, he's been there, and I think in a he is not the most charismatic, and he's not the most dynamic. He's certainly not Barack Obama. He was not uh, Bill Clinton at his peak. And um, and he's not uh, Hillary Clinton with um, her presence either, and uh, I think everyone understands that. What's so what makes him so uh, potentially very attractive now is the country is in crisis. The pandemic is is virtually out of control. The economic crisis is deepening. People feel extremely insecure about it, and they're worried about their futures. In a time like this, a pair of quiet hands who knows what to do and has some simple priorities is rewarded as opposed to the hoopla uh, that comes with, um, a, you know, hyper hyperactive, energetic, energetic president. So I think his campaign is actually pitched to the mood of the country very effectively right now. Okay, now if we go back to the last election, I think it's correct to say that a lot of the reason Trump won was because Hillary was viewed by many people as unelectable. She, she, she kind of 
I don't know how it was, prompted a sort of a visceral dislike in many, many people. So uh, I think many people voted for Trump just because they wouldn't vote for her. Do you see any negative um, thing of that nature happening this time? Is there, is there an American uh, in, in, throughout middle America, is there any sense that something about Joe would put them off? You know, what could be the negative here? Uh, the, the negative is not getting excited or having the charisma that you were talking about earlier. But he's polling better in key demographics that uh, where Hillary Clinton did suffer. Right. Uh, most particularly um, white, uh, non-college educated men, and where, to, which, where Trump won them overwhelmingly. Biden has cut that margin almost to 50-50. And th- it was those votes in the industrial states in the Midwest which cost Hillary the election. She did win more votes than Trump by like yeah, three yeah, votes, yeah, yeah. but they were not in the right place yeah. to win the election in the Electoral College. So if that holds, um, uh, and there has been, as we saw a couple of years ago in the midterm elections for the Congress, uh, in the suburban areas, which are sort of moderately conservative areas, but of educated, you know, people with more uh, educational achievement, college and so forth, those districts, electorates, flipped to the Democrats to give them control of the House of Representatives. That's going to continue this year. I don't think anyone believes the Republicans are going to take the House back. And if they vote for their Democratic member of Congress, it's likely they'll vote for someone who is like them, a moderate Democrat like Joe Biden. If the Democrats had gone to Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, hard left, ideological, I think those voters would have been at risk. And so I I think Biden has shored up areas that were important in Hillary's defeat. Right. So what could possibly go wrong? As in, what does Joe need to do now in the however many weeks are left to keep shoring himself up instead of digging holes? The whole issue is who votes. You know, it's not like here in Australia where you have compulsory voting and uh, you must turn out at the polls. The turnout is not guaranteed. So the polls that we're seeing where Biden is leading between five and ten points, maybe a little more, at the national level, and then in all the key states, well, those polls are only meaningful if the people behind them vote right. and get out there. So if he doesn't have the enthusiasm to get people in his campaign to ensure that people will vote, that's a problem. If he does stumble because of age and he seemed to be infirm, that will hurt him. Mm. If he has a poor uh, presence in the debates with President Trump, that will hurt him. If um, there is a foreign policy crisis, where people rally around the president at a moment of um, urgency for the United States, that will hurt him. So there are, if the economy um, uh, bounces back more strongly than anticipated right now, so if October is great, people are going back to work, and the virus is um, at bay, that will hurt him. So those are the vulnerabilities that I see. Uh, it, it, the, um, internal, he, he's a sound candidate. He's got a great running mate. He's united the party. The country wants change based on the opinion poll. But the question is delivering on it. Nicholas Gordon, uh, Chair of Democrats Abroad, good morning to you. Thanks for, for, for joining us. Good to talk to you again. Uh, good so, heard Bruce Wolper there saying that he's sound. Um, it's not much of an endorsement, is it? I get the feeling that a lot of people are kind of feeling that, that, Bruce, that he's really not anyone to get very excited about um do you think that's going to change or do you think that people are just going to accept the lukewarm alternative well listen, we, we all know the old curse right may, may you live in interesting times um and i think it's pretty clear that 
America's in a has been in has been in crisis um, certainly under the Trump administration, but especially in the past five five months. What with the pandemic and the and then the economic disruption from the pandemic, and also um, and also the nationwide protests around Black Lives Matter. Um, I think Americans understand that 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 um, the country is really in crisis right now, um, and they're looking for someone who can, you know, who who can who can restore normalcy and and who can bring some kind of um, coherence and credibility back to the American government. Um, and uh, and Joe Biden Joe Biden fits that role. He fits that role really well. He's again he's had long experience in government. Um, vice President to President Barack Obama, who's still one of the most popular Americans. Um, people have very warm feelings about that administration. Um, also, as mentioned, he's a Joe Biden has great empathy. He has deep relationships both both in the political system. It's important to note that Joe Biden got firm endorsements from both conservatives like John Kasich and Cindy McCain, the widow of John McCain, but also progressives like Bernie Sanders, maybe Barkin, and. There's a there's a broad understanding that um, that that both conservatives um, well, upset about where the country's going, and also progressives who want you know stronger change and broader change need to work together and unite behind Joe Biden and get Trump out of office. It's also true that Joe Biden has deep relationships with ordinary people. Um, it's important to note that the that the speech formally nominating Biden to be president was delivered by um, by a security guard at the New York Times who featured in a, in a nice viral moment all the way back in January um, where where the vice president took a selfie with her on the way this up is to Jessica. the interview. Uh, oh, I can't remember. I, I think it's Jacqueline or something. Um, but, uh, but yes. So and, and, and they got her to give the, the formal speech nominating Joe Biden to be president of the or, or the formal speech presenting him as a candidate to be nominated. Um, and so, again, he, he, has, he has deep relationships with across the political spectrum. He has empathy for, for ordinary people. And I think that's a message that will have um, great weight uh, this, in this election. Well, that's a kind of a political trick, isn't it? Come on, the, the nice black lady in the lift getting her to trot out the line. He, uh, I think she said, I felt that he, he felt that my life mattered. I mean, you're not telling me that she wasn't fed these lines. But I think, but, no, but she wouldn't say it if she didn't believe it, you know. Um, and, it, and it's not just her, you know, there was other, there were other, we just talking about, um, you know, the, the relationships Joe Biden had built with the Amtrak conductors over his many years commuting back and forth between Washington and, and his home in Delaware. Um, but again, I mean, it's it, what, what this what, what this means is that Joe Biden is is an appealing candidate to to large parts of the American population. Um, there'll be many people, I think, again, both in the both in, let's say, the, the center and center right and also in the left wing who will look at this and go, you know, you're right that 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 he's not where um, I am politically. Maybe no one is, but he's a decent man. He's a sound candidate with experience, and it's vital that we get him out of office. And Biden is the one we need to vote for to do that. Um, okay, a couple of comments from uh, from listeners. Uh, Backchannel.rthk.hk is, is our email address. Uh, actually, on Facebook, uh, Bruce says. Uh, 
Immoral, arrogant, ignorant, lying, selfish, soulless, evil, one-term loser, destroyer of America and especially Republican Party. They might never recover. They are a bunch of cowards and deserve what they get and more consequences. Lock him up. You're fired. Fake president DJT Rump Trump. That's pretty uh, comprehensive. Bruce, many thanks uh, for that. Uh, uh, John in Saikung says, Morning, OMG, back chat covering Biden, a huge waste of time and resources. We do not need a local program covering US elections. That <laughs> comes from John in Saikung. Suck it up, John. We've got a caller on the line, 233-88266. Guess who? It's Mike. Mike, good morning. Yeah, I don't know why you read an email of just someone that just, if you've got some facts, you know, but if you just call on somebody names, you know, that's, I mean, you're going to read that. We're going to read that on, on, on emails out. Um, uh, a reason I called. The I Facebook someone, comment, you mean? Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the, the reason I called is I heard someone say, someone say that they're, 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 they wanted to vote for Biden because of, because of something that, uh, I mean, the guy's got dementia. I just, I just buried my father, and I watched, I watched dementia happen. And he's got early stages dementia. Um, you know, uh, how can the left even? I mean, he's got to be, he's he's got to be a puppet for the left. He 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 was he did some. I don't know. Did he do any great things? Forty-seven years in 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 government. Why does okay. he have to be a puppet yeah. for the left? Yeah, I mean, you, these questions, uh, they're just ignoring. Okay, okay that's, that's echoed in, in an email. This is from Paul, uh, who says... Uh, though it's not nice to say, it's, however, true and becoming more obvious to everyone that Joe Biden is going through serious mental decline. These days, he can barely finish a coherent sentence, and when he does, he cons constantly makes huge gaffes that are far worse than anything coming from Trump's Twitter feed. The mainstream media, meanwhile, says nothing. How can anyone credibly believe that a man who's been a career politician for 47 years will fix the very system that's so generously provided for him? That question is from Paul. M Mike, what, what are the evidence? What evidence do you see of uh, mental decline in, in Joe Biden? Uh, yeah, it's, it's being able to stay in the present for any length of time. Uh, I, I watched this. Uh, I mean, I'd go to, I'd, I'd have a telephone conversation with my father, and it would just sound like everything was normal. And then all of a sudden, he'd be asking the same question that I just answered. And I, 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 when I'm listening, when I'm listening to uh, uh, Mr. Biden, it's the same thing. I mean, it's really difficult for him to stay in the present. And then he goes off into another subject for a while, and. You know, the toughest job on the planet, and we're going to have someone that's, uh, um, that doesn't have its complete faculties, I think it's, I think it's really sad. And I think, uh, um, you know, the, the left has gone through how many different people, uh, uh, 13 or 14 uh, uh, people before they came up with Joe Biden? I think it was because they could probably manipulate him. Bruce Wolper? Well, I think conspiracy theories are great, and the armchair psychoanalysis and medical diagnosis is great. And if you don't like Biden, you can vote. Then don't vote for him. Uh, the, the, whole, the, the Democratic Party is united. They're united about getting rid of Donald Trump. 
and, and Biden has seen, it was seen from the, was ultimately seen as the person who was best equipped and capable of doing that. It was a decision made with the head and not the gut by Democratic voters, uh, because he doesn't, his, the passions he, he, he ignites are smaller than with some other candidates. But it was not an ideological choice. It was a choice of um, strategic uh, cunning and intent. Who is best to rid the country of Trump? And, and Biden was the candidate that came through it. And um, all I can say is, even even if you don't, even if you don't accept the conspiracy theories, or you don't think he's a puppet, or or something like this, when you hear him speak, there is there is a noticeable. He speaks slowly. There is a slurring. He's seventy-seven. He's very old, and you know he sounds like he's pretty old. And and, and you'll see his speech. You'll see him on the campaign trail, and people will make judgments. Again, I think there's been uh, a master class in uh, how to denigrate someone and then uh, uh, in order to lower expectations about them. Biden will far exceed what we're hearing on the airwaves in Hong Kong this morning. And I think we gotta, we've also got to talk about, you know, the other guy in the race, too. Um, you know, I, to paraphrase Michelle Obama's speech at the, at the end of day one of the convention, it's clear that Trump and the Trump administration is not up to the job of confronting the challenges that America faces. They're just not up to it. Um, the Trump administration is, is capricious. They change policies on a whim, um, that, that, which, which has paralyzed any attempt to solve the problem. Um, the strategy is incoherent. Uh, the government's not credible. And so, and so we can see how, how temperament and character actually do influence policymaking in that America basically has, I think, the worst record in confronting the coronavirus, um, certainly amongst the developed world, if not globally. Um, and that's largely due to... The, uh, okay, to okay, the yeah, yeah, we can, do, we can talk about Trump. You know, I really wanted yeah. to focus on, on Biden. He was, I just found out yesterday, he was born during the war. I mean, he's, he's really old, I've got to say. Nicholas Gordon? That's... Well, with that, yeah, I mean, so... I think with that, you look towards his, 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 the, his selection of Senator Kamala Harris mm. as his running mate. Yeah. Um, let's put it this way. Biden may be the man of the moment, but he understands that he's not the man of tomorrow's moment. Um, as, it, because, as you said, he's, he's 78. Um, and so the choice of Kamala Harris, um, that's, a, that, that's an understanding by Biden and I think the broader party that, that – that, that the party is going to have to shift to match the demographics of America's future. Um, and that means elevating, you know, more women candidates, more people of color candidates. Because um, right now, I mean, the ticket, the ticket of Biden-Harris is a ticket that looks like America. Mm. Um, okay. Mike, did you want to come back? We ever, I, I don't know, the speakers, when have they ever uh, got a job because of the color of their skin or because of their gender. I mean, really? I mean, is that the way we is that the way we uh, pick people for a job? Oh, let's see. We need a, we need somebody that's this color and that gender. You want the person that's going to be best for the job. And and but it fits the it fits the left narrative because okay. their whole policy is just what fits our narrative. Okay. 
Not who's the best person. Okay, Mike, many, many thanks for your call. 233-88266. S in an email says, The past American Democratic Party presidents did nothing to protect American jobs or technology. They were completely blinded by them just having a position in the government. All they do is criticise what the current president is doing. Sorry, but Biden does not have the personality of a leader. He just crept in from behind in the primaries. That's uh, from uh, S. Bruce Wolper, of course, a lot of people in, in Hong Kong and this area want to know what's going to happen with China. Would you anticipate, and this, this isn't clear at all, really, would you anticipate that uh, there would be a change in policy if Biden was elected uh, towards China? I, I think with uh, Biden, the, it just seems to me that the relationship between the United States and China now is really... Um, centered on the two leaders, and particularly the United States acting very forcefully, uh, and, but unilaterally, on issues that it has with China. I think with Joe Biden, you will see a much more multilateral approach uh, that, that uh, uh, embraces uh, other Asian countries and Europe, because I do think there is a common agenda among the Western allies uh, and on, on security and economic and trade issues with respect to China. So I think there will be much more diplomacy uh, that that means a softer line, a less less aggressive prosecuting, less aggressive Pardon? approach, a less aggressive approach towards Beijing. I think aggressive on the issues, but but um, uh, more with more diplomacy to guide the discussion. Okay, and and, and Hong Kong. Then, do you think that? Uh, that, like, sanctions and so on, do you think those might be reversed under a Biden presidency? Uh, it's, I, am not, I have not participated in foreign policy mm. discussions with the Biden team. But, no, I think, this, I think the sanctions on Hong Kong will stick. Um, the, the point is to figure out in a less confrontational way, but with purpose, how, do, how is this relationship, which is the, the most important in the world, going to be managed? And how can both, you know, coexist and compete? And and is this the only playing field that we should have? Is this really the best that we can do? And I think that uh, Biden wants to put the discussion in that context, a larger one, with an assertion of American interests, an assertion of Western allied interests, and, and figuring out with China, okay, what do the next 10 years look like? So, Bruce, if you consider now the lineup is really bar- Pence and Pompeo running America, who would be the three standing behind Biden? We've got Carmela. Who would the other two be? Oh, I think um, Susan Rice, uh, who was considered for vice president but has deep experience on foreign policy issues. I think she's a prime candidate for secretary of state. And I think you will see many uh, who served in the uh, in the Obama-Biden administration on foreign policy issues to come back into service of government. So I think uh, the uh, the players will be well known. Uh, they can hit the ground running as far as China is concerned. They will be deeply experienced in the relationship with China. Uh, Nicholas Gordon, uh, you know, there are a couple of things that uh, are already coming up and being played on uh, by the Republicans. One is one is Hunter Biden and the whole story of what he was doing, what he was up to uh, in the Ukraine. Do you think that's going to be a, a big issue in the in the campaign? First of all, I mean, who knows? The, the campaigns are a long time. But again, I think I'd like to return to the, the state of the country. In some ways, there are... There are big issues involving, you know, mass unemployment, a pandemic, 
questions of racial justice. So you don't want to talk justice. about Hunter Biden, is that right? Well, no, because I mean, it's 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 the you know the Republicans are going to pick up on things that they think may work, and there'll be people affiliated with Democrats, people who think it'll help and do this for Trump too. But these are really big questions about the future of the country and the direction of its institutions. And so quickly, I want to quickly say, because there's going to be a complicated election this year, and because of mail disruptions, for Americans listening, this is a very important election. Um, and so please, 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 please request your ballot now and then send your ballot back to the U.S. as early as possible. If your state lets you send it electronically by email or fax, please do so. Mail is going to be it's going to be really annoying to vote this year. So but we at Democrats abroad Hong Kong are, are happy to help any American. Um, won't ask who you're even going to vote for. Um, we're happy to help any American who needs assistance with voting this year. Okay, some, some more comments on Facebook. Uh, Bruce, I'm not going to read out all these messages, but uh, Bruce says, Boycott Backchat. Who is Mike to talk about Biden faculties? How can Backchat stand this and allow boo Backchat? I think that's uh, the least of his comments. Uh, thanks, Bruce, for those. Uh, TC says, let's talk about Biden's foreign policy experience. One cause of his downfall is his 2008 candidacy, uh, along with Hillary Clinton, uh, was that... Uh, was that his vote on the Iraq war. Uh, that comment from, from uh, TC. Uh, thanks for that. And uh, Martin says, uh, so great to talk about US Democratic contender Joe Biden. Will Backchat discuss the qualities and abilities of China's President Xi Jinping tomorrow? Remember that Mr Xi will be in his 80s, apparently by the time his presidency eventually comes to an end. That would be more interesting for your Hong Kong listeners. That's uh, from Martin. We've got a caller on the line. We've got a caller on the line. Good morning to you. Hi. Yes, uh, am I on? Yes, you are. Yeah, you're on the air. Okay, Hugh. Yeah, this is Dan. And hello to Hi, Nicholas Dan. and Bruce. One quick question. Um, why, and this is very near to, dear to us here in Hong Kong, because we've just gone through months and months last year of rioting and anarchy uh, that was very relevant to all of us. I haven't heard Joe Biden, Mrs. Harris, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. In fact, Nancy Pelosi said, uh, well, we're talking about some of the violence. Oh, they're just going to do what they're going to do. Uh, why has the Democrat Party and these leaders, why have they not condemned the rioting and violence in the U.S.? Uh, okay. Um, I don't believe that's true. Um, there, was, there was legislation passed by the Democrats in Congress with Republican support, which uh, provided the basis for human rights issues to be asserted by President Trump. So I believe they're there. Uh, everything that I hear from uh, leading Democrats as well as Republicans is human rights in Hong Kong are uh, of the highest priority. So I don't agree with uh, what the assertion that you're saying. Because and, to speak about the, and to speak about the Black Lives Matter protests, I mean, these, these protests are, are motivated by a recognition of, um, you know, structural racism, um, in, in structural, well, structural discrimination, which is apparently in the Black Lives Matter movement has been successful, actually, in spreading awareness of this issue amongst the broader American public. Um, so, you know, the vast majority of protests are peaceful. Um, when incidents do happen, they are, they are roundly condemned by, by, by Democratic leaders. Um, but also, I think there, there's an understanding that, that, this is, that, that this movement is motivated by real harm being done to minority communities and communities of people of color. Um, and I think the Democratic Party is, understands that and is going to move forward on trying to tackle these problems. 
Okay, well, Nicholas Gordon, uh, uh, thanks very much indeed for, for joining us this morning. Uh, Chair of Democrats Abroad in Hong Kong. Thanks to uh, Dan, uh, caller. And Bruce Wolper, a senior fellow at the United States Studies Centre at the University of Sydney and uh, former worker with the Democratic staff in Congress for uh, some 10 years. Uh, Anna, many thanks to you. Uh, we'll be back at 8.30 tomorrow. Well, one more comment. This is from Mr Singh on related to our first discussion about uh, supermarkets. Uh, he says, uh, good morning. One way is to check on the 31st of March 2021 tax returns. If any company that made more profit that ESS aid, uh, government should take back the full uh, aid or part of it according to profit. Peace help for a person who lost jobs. That's uh, Mr Singh's uh, suggestion. Thank you very much indeed for that. Back, as I say, 8.30 tomorrow. Weather, sunny intervals and a few showers, isolated thunderstorms at first. It's going to be hot. Temperatures up to 32 degrees and the outlook very hot with sunny periods in the next couple of days. 29 degrees now and the relative humidity is at 84%. The Building Minor Works Amendment Regulation 2020 will commence on the 1st of September. Owners or tenants may then put up minor amenity features such as trellises, retractable awnings and security fences with simplified requirements under the Minor Works Control System. For more details, browse the Buildings Department website at bd.gov.hk. 9.33, the news with Samantha Butler. The U.S. State Department has announced it's suspending three bilateral agreements with Hong Kong in its latest response to the new national security law. They include deals on the surrender of fugitives and transfers of sentenced prisoners, as well as a treaty that spares owners of ships from paying taxes in both jurisdictions. U.S. Senator Kamala Harris will make history when she accepts the Democratic nomination for vice president. The first black woman and Asian-American on a major U.S. presidential ticket has kicked off the third night of the virtual Democratic National Convention. And a helicopter pilot has died after his aircraft crashed while fighting one of hundreds of wildfires raging in California. The U.S. state was hit by nearly 11,000 lightning strikes in 72 hours, sparking over 360 fires. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Talks to journals as the stories unfold. Musos and actors. Good morning. No matter young or their old. There's tons of stuff going on. Moves them through the studio. Oh, yes, yes. Before their coffee gets cold. Don't be stupid, drink it. Because Phil Whelan likes to chat. Imagine helping people with just downloading an app and clicking something. I don't think the Communist Party wanted to do this. We have a nightclub on the roof. What if our country is run a different way? We welcome you to the Morning Brew. With a chef, he might be just kind of chewing the fat. He's really good at that. Because Phil Wheeler likes to chat. Good morning to you. Welcome to Thursday. Great to be back with you. It's Thursday, so Steve Vines will be with me at 10 minutes past 10. Live from Laputa, Sai Kung. Join in with your comments and questions. We'll be on Facebook Live.